We are in our minor prophet season, reclaimed, and we are in the book of Obadiah. And if you don't know anything about Obadiah, don't worry. Nobody knows anything about Obadiah. He's one of those that, like, he appears, but there is no context into who he is. Uh, his name is mentioned a couple times, but nobody really knows who this guy actually is. Of the minor prophets, he is the most minor. It is the shortest book of the Old Testament. The shortest book of the Old Testament. And interestingly, the book is addressed to, not to Israel, but to Edom, which is the brother nation of Israel. And if I have to summarize the book, like this is the book in one sentence. Edom, you will be judged and destroyed for how you treated Israel. There you go. If you wanted to read a book this month, we'll read it today. It's the shortest book of the Bible right here. Uh, our structure is going to be the same. The case against rebellion, the call to repentance, and finally, uh, the covenant of restoration. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you, God, that we can be in here today. I pray that you would be with Luke uh, where he is preaching. I pray that you would give him a strong word and that you would give him confidence, God. I thank you for every person who will make a decision to get baptized, God, on August 13th. I pray that you would be with them and that you would guide them in the process. And I pray to you for today, God, for all of us. I pray that your word from Obadiah would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to us, God, uh, as we're here today, as we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you know Family relationships can get incredibly complicated. <laughs> I love my parents. They are great parents, but sometimes our relationships are complicated. I hear this from college students all the time. They have to go back for the summer and they're like, ooh, I'm going to be with my parents for two months again? Ooh, it gets complicated. Why? I 100% believe this. There is, you're never going to be good enough that you're not going to need Jesus. You're never going to be good enough that you're not going to need Jesus. As a parent, you will never be a good enough parent that your kid won't need Jesus either. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And in the book of Obadiah, we find ourselves in the middle, honestly, the end of a complicated family situation. And that's what we will explore. We'll go to the beginning, and I'm going to explain where Edom comes from all the way to the book of Obadiah, where we are today. And you might, have, you might know this, but it's actually the story of Esau and Jacob. The story of Esau and Jacob. And we'll go to the beginning. It's Genesis 25, 23. And the Lord told her, that's Rebekah, the mother of these two nations, says the sons in your womb will become two nations. That is Edom and that is Israel. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other and his older and the older will serve the younger. Can you believe that this family has this mom has two nations in the womb and from the womb they are already having bad blood they already have bad blood that is the title of my message bad blood and it's just on top of that you get a complicated family situation we read that Rebecca who is the mother she actually loves 
Jacob, the youngest, more. Isaac, who is the father, he loves his son Esau. And they say that they're very different too. Esau, he loves the country. He loves being in the wild. He loves hunting. While Jacob, he says that he loves staying in his tent. He loves being indoor with the AC. Am I right? Anybody out there in this heat that's killing us? Uh, but he, Jacob and Esau have this, have this tension going on. And you all know the story. Uh, Esau is out. He is hunting. And he comes back and he says, I am so, so hungry. And what does Jacob do? Jacob takes advantage of this situation. And he says, you know what? I'll trade you this soup for your birthright. And the birthright is the inheritance that he was going to receive and Jacob tricks him, and he gets the birthright. And then further on, we see that Jacob, uh, when his dad is about to pass away, he can't see very well. He dresses up as Esau, and he also steals his blessing. When he steals his blessing, the scriptures tell us that Esau is so mad that he wants to kill Jacob. And Jacob runs and, is, and, and goes far away for 20 years they did not see each other for 20 years. They didn't speak to each other. And when Jacob is finally coming back, he's like, you know what? I think Esau's going to kill me. Let me send some gifts. And he starts sending gifts and gifts and gifts. But the scripture says that when they see each other, they hug, they kiss, and they reconcile. And that's normally all we know about this story. But if only it stopped there, the reality is their kids and their descendants continued their bad blood. They continued to have anonymity and to be against each other. If we read in Numbers, Edom, as, as Israel is coming out of Egypt, Edom denies them passage and they say, if you pass through our city, we will kill you. We will kill you. And in 2 Samuel, David, who is a great military warrior, he's able to conquer Edom, which later on we'll see that's a very difficult task. And in 2 Kings, we see that Edom finally rebels. And finally, we get to our time with the minor prophets. And what's going on in the minor prophets? Babylon is conquer, has conquered Israel. And what did Edom do? This brother nation who could have helped what do they do? They actually join with Babylon and they start destroying Israel. And that's where we are today, the case against rebellion. We're about to read it in Obadiah. Here are the charges. Here's what the Lord says. This is what I have against you, Edom. Obadiah 10:14. it says, Because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When they were invaded, you stood aloof. What did they do? They just stood watching. You refused to help them. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide Jerusalem. But you acted like one of Israel's enemies. You should not have gloated when they exiled your relatives to distant lands. You should not have rejoiced when the people of Judah suffered such misfortune. You should not have spoken arrogantly in the, time, in the terrible time of trouble. You should not have plundered the land of Israel. What did they do? They stole. You should not have gloated over their destruction. You should not have seized their wealth. You should not have stood at the crossroads. 
killing those who tried to escape. So what did Edom do? They watched, they stole, they killed, and they took slaves and sold them. And that's exactly what the Lord is saying to Edom, I have against you. But you might wonder why. Why did Edom do this to Israel? And the reason why is because hurt people hurt people. It's the reality. When we're hurt and when we haven't healed from our past experiences, we tend to hurt other people. But God always wanted and intended the nation of Edom and Israel to heal. I hear stories all the time of people not talking for ages, 25 years without talking to my son, 30 years without talking to my dad, 20 years without talking to my sister, and it breaks my heart. That was never God's intention. <laughs> I got a call from a friend this week, and, and uh, he called me with his girlfriend, and they called me right in the middle of their argument. They were about to break up. They were about to break up. And they're telling me what's going on. And they're telling me everything that they've told me 2,500 times. And they're just, you know, they're ready to break up. And what, what was the context of their situation? What was going on is, one, she was abandoned by her dad and now feels like he is going to abandon him. And he learned very negative ways to cope by his dad that constantly he would disappear for years and for years. So what would happen? She wanted to control him and he was like, uh, no, I'm just, I'm going to leave. And he would leave. And again, they would, they would get into this cycle and cycle and not be able to heal from it. But the Lord wants us to heal. What we learn from, from this story is that ultimately the way you treat others is a reflection of what you think of yourself and what you think of God. In Matthew 25, we see a perfect example of this. We see that Jesus tells them that the way that they treat the least of these is the same thing that you would do to me. There's nothing that annoys me more than people, trying to, than people treating other people poorly. It bugs me. I can't stand it. I remember uh, when I had a roommate, I overheard a conversation he was having with with a call center. And you could tell, I could hear the tension rising up. You could tell the situation was not going in the right direction. And from one moment to the next, as he's elevating his tone, he goes, who are you anyways? You're nobody. You probably earn minimum wage. Get me to some, and I was like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Nobody deserves to be treated that way. I don't care what they did. I had a professor in seminary, and he used to say this all the time. We give love and respect to people not because they earn it. We give love and respect to people because they need it. Because we need it to heal as broken people living in this world. In Luke chapter 18, we see the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector who go to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, it says that he trusted his own confident. He had trust in his own righteousness. And he goes up to pray, and what he does is he comes up and he says, God, thank you that I am not like this tax collector. God, thank you that I am not like this sinner. The case against Edom is that he did, they did not treat their brother right. 
The truth is God hopes that we heal, that we experience his love, and in return we can, we can do that to others, that we can show them love. John 13, 25 says, the people will know that you are my followers by the way that you love each other. It is the defining characteristic of us followers of Jesus. It's not what we're against. It's not what political party, it is love. That is the defining characteristic of followers of Jesus. So that's the case against rebellion. And now we move to the call to repentance. We're in Obadiah 1 to 7. It's just one chapter, so if I say just 1 to 7, it's because that's all we have. There's no chapters. It says, this is the vision that the sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah. Concerning the land of Edom, we have heard a message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, get ready, everyone. Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom. Who's going to attack Edom? Everybody. The Lord says to you, Edom, I will cut you down to the size of the nations. You will be greatly despised. You have been deceived by your own pride because you live in a rock fortress and make your home high in the mountains. Who can ever reach us way up here, you ask boastfully. But even if you soar as high as eagles and build your nest among the stars, I will, be, I will bring you crashing down. What are they saying? We are up here. We are high. Nobody can destroy us. Every nook, verse 6, every nook and cranny of Edom will be searched and looted. Every treasure will be found and taken. All your allies will turn against you. They will help to chase you from your land. They will promise you peace while plotting to deceive you and destroy you. Your trusted friends will set trap for you. What is the call to repentance for Edom? There is none. There is no call to repentance for Edom. It's only a call to destruction. Edom, you will be destroyed. I've got two pictures, if y'all can put them up. This is Edom. Edom is in the mountains. It is rock solid. They literally, remember Esau lived in the open country. That's what he loved. They lived in the open country. It was so hard for them to be conquered. So, so hard for them to be conquered. It's said that 12 warriors of Edom could kill an entire army simply because of their positioning. And the next picture, uh, we see Edom. All of Egypt, let me see where I'm at. All of, all of Africa, right here in the southwest, has to go through Edom to be able to trade with Asia. So what's going on? They've got incredible allies. They've got incredible allies, and those are the two things that they boasted about. They boasted about their military, and they boasted about their friends. But pride has a way of blinding us to our own weaknesses. It is through their friends and their allies that Edom gets destroyed. But we do the exact same thing. We try to seek natural peace instead of seeking supernatural peace. So we try to fill our bank accounts. We try, to, we try to store all the different things. We try to fill our pantries. We try to do all of these different things in order to find peace. We find technology, and we, we surround ourselves with it to be able to fabricate our own peace. But in reality, that is not the peace that surpasses all understanding because that is not the peace that 
that we have. That is a natural peace that we try to form. The Edomites, what did they have? They had peace because their military was so strong, because in the natural they were positioned in a very good place. To me, the call to repentance for Edom is 300 years of prophets proclaiming you will be destroyed. Proclaiming that they will be destroyed, but did they repent? No. I don't know about you, but if I, if I tell you, hey, you're going in the wrong direction, or if somebody tells me, hey, you're going in the wrong direction, you're going to ruin your life, I'm going to analyze where I'm at. I'm going to look back and I'm going to reflect, but not Edom. They probably heard the prophet of the Lord saying, hey, you will be destroyed. And they were like, let him try. Let him try. Who will come up here and destroy us? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you try to tell something to somebody, but they just won't listen? I remember uh, when I was in high school, our friends, we used to gather together. And then when we graduated, we would do like get togethers maybe every month, every other month. And there was this one friend and every single time that we would get together, he would say, you know what? I'm there. I'm there. And the time came and he was not there. He was nowhere to be found. He was posting pictures on Instagram being somewhere else and not answering our text messages. And we're all waiting for him. And we talked to him so many times. Hey, you know, you can just tell us you're not coming. But no, it was like we were wasting our spit. Like we were wasting talking to a wall. This guy just didn't show up. It's the same thing with Edom. They will not listen even if there is a call to repentance. They will not listen even if Jesus himself shows up and says, hey, repent. No, they just trusted themselves. They only cared about themselves. And finally, we come to the covenant of restoration. But let's remember something. The covenant of God was with his people, Israel. The covenant of God was with his people, Israel. Obadiah 17 through 21 says, But Jerusalem will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place, and the people of Israel will come back to, they will come back to what? They will come back to reclaim, there's our season title, reclaim their inheritance. The people of Israel will be a raging fire, and Edom a field of dry stubble. The descendants of Joseph will be a flame roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, will, I, I, the Lord, have spoken. Then my people living in the Negev will occupy the mountains of Edom. Fast forward to 21. Those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Sion in Jerusalem. Let me read that again. Those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Sion in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom. What's he saying? And the Lord himself will be king. He's saying two things. God is faithful to Israel even when Israel is not, and two, proper worship will be restored. We all know the story of the Israelites, right? They constantly denied God. They constantly found other idols, other gods to worship. They constantly were trying to seek for the natural when they can only find in the supernatural of God. But what is God saying? The land will be reclaimed. The land will be reclaimed. 
the proper and the proper worship will be restored. From the moment of Esau and Jacob to the moment of the minor prophets, about a thousand years had gone by. A thousand years of bad blood and bad history. Constantly fighting, constantly. Listen, I know some people here might have bad relationships with a loved one. Their relationships have been broken, but I believe that God wants you to heal that. I believe that God is calling us today to put our pride aside. I know there's been hurt. I know there is history. I know it's been years of bad blood between you, but God wants you to heal. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And yes, I believe primarily the ministry of reconciliation is for us with God. But I believe that second, it is for us as we relate to one another. If, as long as we can, we need to seek to live in peace with the people around us. I believe there are areas in our lives that need to be reclaimed. I believe there are relationships that need to be restored. And I believe that we need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you're the only one who can heal me. You're the only one who can restore me.